Good morning, church. My name is Pramila. I'm a part of Kate's Life Group. Today I will be reading Psalm 3. Psalm 3. O oh Lord, how many are my foes? Many are rising against me. Many are saying of my soul, there is no salvation for him in God. Selah. But you, O oh Lord, are a shield about me, my glory and the lifter of my head. I cried aloud to the Lord, and he answered me from his holy hill. Selah. I lay down and slept. I woke again, for the Lord sustained me. I will not be afraid of many thousands of people who have set themselves against me all around. Arise, O Lord, save me, O my God, for you strike all my enemies on the cheek. You break the teeth of the wicked. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Your blessing be on your people. Selah. This is the word of God. Someone asked me at the 8 o'clock service uh, what Selah is. And I said, it's a name you, you give to your child when you lack out of ideas. <laughs> but on a serious note, uh, Sila is just a musical notation to the orchestra leader in the temple to raise the temple or when, you know, you want to play wider as you are singing or praying this psalm. So that's what Sila is all about. Um, once again, just to extend our welcome, if you are here for the very first time, uh, we are delighted that you could join us this morning. Uh, my name is Raphael, and I'm one of the ministers here at Christchurch Midrand. So warm welcome to you if you are visiting us for the very first time. If you have babies who will give you a hard time, uh, just feel free to sleep out. There's a crowd room outside there or at the veranda. You can still listen to the sermon. And please also take this opportunity to turn off your phone uh, if it's not on silent. Uh, turn it off, uh, please. Let's pray as we come to God's word, as we look at this passage that Pramila read for us. Lord Jesus, we thank you that we can come before you empty-handed, but acknowledging that you are our salvation. Thank you that you saved us from the bondage of sin as you died on the cross for our sins. But thank you also that you continue to be with us in our most difficult time in life. Lord, we know that we are never alone because you are with us through your Holy Spirit. And as we come to your word, Lord, we pray that you soften our hearts and minds. Will you please help us to hear from you what you have to tell us this morning as we read together Psalm 3. And I, as your servant, I pray that the word of my mouth and the meditation of my heart will be acceptable to you. O oh God, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. We all wish to live a peaceful life in a peaceful world without any trouble. Or maybe it's just me. But we know that that is not the reality in our broken world. As much as family, friendship, and work are a blessing from God, 
they can also be a source of trouble. In this life, we should not be surprised that trouble will come our way and we will be drawn in battle and struggle that we simply cannot avoid. Some of the battles we are involved in are so fierce, they are so hard, they are so grueling, they are so taxing, to the point that we need to take a retreat for a while. Sometimes we find ourselves in the battle alone. Sometimes we find ourselves with people who have promised to guard our back. People who have said to, both, uh, to us both in words and deeds that they are ready to lay down their lives for us. And of course, we need to cherish those people who have said that to us. But the reality is that we live in a broken world. And one of the greatest disappointments that one can go through is this. Imagine at the moment when you have taken your retreat because of how fierce the battle is. You are there with your close friends and with family members who have promised to lay down their lives for you. You are hiding from the enemy who is coming for you. Suddenly you feel a sharp pain, not in your head, not in your neck, but in your back. You are bleeding. You have been stabbed, not by an enemy, but by a close family member. This is what David must have felt or must have experienced here when he was betrayed by his beloved son, Absalom. So when David writes Psalm 3, that was read for us by Premila, he wrote it after he fled for his life from his son. So the background to Psalm 3, you read it in 2 Samuel, chapter 15 all the way up to chapter 18. I'll just try and, and give us a glimpse of what was happening there. So Absalom was a very remarkable man. All the qualities that one wants from a young man. He was handsome. He was very impressive. He was that guy that you want to be around. He, was, he had a powerful personality. Of course, he was also a son of the king. In fact, when we read 2 Samuel chapter 14 and verse 25, it says, there was no blemish in him. Imagine, there was no blemish in him. That's the kind of person he was. His parents would have just said, you see that young man there? That's my son. Very proudly, bright future in him. But as we all know, life is so unpredictable. And life took a detour into Absalom's life. In 2 Samuel chapter 13, we read that he murdered his brother Ammon, who raped his sister Tamar. 
So this created a separation between him and David, his father. But later we read that they were brought back together again, Absalom and his father. And in 2 Samuel chapter 14 and verse 33, we read that David regained confidence and trust in his beloved son. So they were brought back together again, his father and son. However, Absalom was very ambitious. He did not want to remain in the shadow. He wanted to become a king. He aspired to be the king, to rule. In fact, we read that in 2 Samuel 15 and verse 6 that he stole the hearts of the men of Israel. He was that guy. Everyone loved him. So they, they, they just wanted him somehow. This is why he was able to put together a coup against his father, King David, who had to run for his life. That's how bad it was. So we read in 2 Samuel chapter 15 and verse 30 that when David was running, he was weeping. He was barefoot and he covered his head. We're talking here about the king of Israel, anointed by God, who's running barefoot. And as if this was not enough, in his run, he encountered a young man, a man called Shimei, from the house of Saul. And this man, when he saw him, he started throwing stones to him and his men, and he was cursing him. How low can this get for a king? This must have been one of the hardest and darkest time of King David during his reign. So him and his men, they are very tired from running for their lives. His son, his blood, his beloved son wants to kill him. And make no mistake, if Absalom could have caught David, David was a dead man. David is not certain he will survive the night. Not to say next day, if he sees it, will be a miracle for him. So you see, it doesn't matter who you are. Even as a king, trouble can come your way. You can be a king today, and tomorrow you are a nobody. I'm sure some of you know that I come from the DRC. Uh, back it was called Zaire. We used to have a president called Mobutu, so he ran for 32 years. So I was born, he was the man. To the point that I didn't even know that Mobutu was his name. I just thought it was the title for every president. That's how it was. So this guy used to say that he will never be known as the ex-president of Zaire. Meaning, he will die as the president. He will die in power. But in 1997, when war started, he had to flee. And he went to Morocco. And that's where he died on exile as a next president. So you see, as powerful as he, he was, when trouble comes, it comes. And things had to change. So trouble can hit anyone. It doesn't matter who you are, how clever you are. When it comes, it comes. So it's under these circumstances of 
immense and huge trial that David is facing. He's running for his life. His son wants to kill him. He doesn't know what to do. He's barefoot. It's under these very circumstances that David writes for us Psalm 3 that was read for us. And the question is, what do you do when you are stabbed and betrayed by your son? What do you do? What do you do when you are surrounded by enemies all over? Is there a way to overcome the fear that is my best friend right now? How could David just make it simple when he says in verse 5, I lay down and sleep while he is under too much pressure and his life is in great danger. So you see, in terms of great great danger and fear, our minds do not stop working. So when you find yourself in a situation where it's so hard for you to handle, so your mind just keeps working, it does not stop. One preacher even said that, No amount of comfort in the bed will produce comfort in the mind when you find yourself under such situation. So you might have the most beautiful bed or expensive bed, but if your mind is not straight, if you are under too much pressure, if you keep thinking too much, how will I survive this? It's hard to find sleep. But it's under these very, very circumstances that David can say in verse 5, I lay down and sleep. So what do you do when you find yourself in such a situation? Well, we learn from David that in such situation, when things are hard, when enemies surround us, where fear is our greatest friend, where we don't know where to run to, what do we do? We run or we call to the one and only true God. That's what David does. Why? Because only him can do something about your situation. We run to the one and true God. Only him can deal with what I'm facing right now. Most of the time, our tendency is to run for quick answers around us. But those do not help. David is telling us, we run to the one and only true God. So how, how does he do it? Three points that we'll be looking at. First one, share your problem with God. Share your problems with God. It sounds obvious, but yes. Share your problems with God. So David's words in verses 1 and 2, they are directed to God. Straight to him. Verse 1, O Lord, how many are my foes? Many are rising against me. Remember, when he's writing this, he is in the run. So he just finds a brief moment a brief time of rest and safety. And what he does directly, he he pours out his heart in prayer to God. And he calls him by his personal name, Yahweh, the name by which God revealed himself. 
As if he's telling, you are the God of covenant. You are the one who made me king after Israel. Look where I am right now. I'm running for my life. My son wants to kill me. I thought I was the king. I'm running like a fool. My enemies are everywhere. So he tells God his situation. Verse 2, many are saying of my soul, there's no salvation for him in God. This is what his enemies are saying. There's no salvation for you, David. They are accusing me. They say, David, you are on the run because God is against you. God is not on your side. What you have done, you deserve, David. That's why this is happening to you. And as, as you read this, in his head, maybe David could start thinking, wait for a minute. Maybe these people are right after all. I think of my life as David. I have committed adultery with Bathsheba. I murdered Bathsheba's husband, Uriah. I almost broke all the Ten Commandments in that one incident. The situation with my family is just chaotic. I have failed as a father. One of my sons raped my daughter. My other son murdered him. And now he is after me. He is after my life. My enemies could be right. God is against me. God might have turned his back against me. I am just a disaster. God has given up on me. David could have thought about this when he looks into his life and what his enemies are saying about him. And maybe you are here this morning and deep in your heart you know that you have committed a horrible sin, whether in words, whether in deeds, whether in thoughts. Or you know that you are still falling for the same sin again and again. And you hear this voice telling you that God has given up on you. There is no hope for you. This voice keeps telling you, you are such a disappointment. You are such a disgrace. But let me tell you that even though David could have thought about this, deep down in his soul, he knew that God has never ever given up on his children. And we will see this as we carry on with his prayer that he's praying in of Psalm 3. You and me, we may turn our back on God. We may commit a horrible sin. We may attempt to run away from God. But God will never run away from us. The only one time in history when God turned his back against someone was on that cross when Jesus carried my horrible past, present, and future sins and died on my behalf 
That's why he cried, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He did that so that God does not have to turn his back against you and against me. Your horrible sin that tries to cripple you has been forgiven in Jesus if you have put your trust in him. Oh Lord, how many are my foes? Many are rising against me. Many are saying of my soul, there is no salvation for him in God. You see, this is one of the great privilege to be a Christian believer. You can speak directly to God and tell him your heart. You can tell God your situation. You can tell God all that you are going through right now that only you know about. You can tell God, God, look, this is a very difficult situation for me. But I invite you also to be involved. Why? Because I am yours. I am your child. I can't handle it on myself. Come, take part to what I'm going through. And Jesus has made it possible for you and for me to speak directly to God as the Father by the power of the Holy Spirit. People are saying things about me, God, which are also reflecting on your glorious reputation. Please, God, come. I need you in this very situation. You know, one of the verses of this hymn that we always sing, What a Friend We Have in Jesus, goes like this. Have we trials and temptations? Is there trouble anywhere? We should never be discouraged. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. David was bearing this pain. It was hard. He's running for his life. His son, his beloved Absalom, wants to kill him. But there is a sense that he understood exactly that this restlessness and lack of peace in mind that endangers him, that's a needless pain for him to carry. Why? Because he is able to say the part of this song that he can take it to God in prayer. God will take care of that. So he is bringing everything to God in prayer. So point one, share your problem with God. Point two, pray confidently to God. Pray confidently to God. Verses three and four. But you, O Lord, are a shield about me, my glory and the lifter of my head. I cried aloud to the Lord, and he answered me from his holy hill. After sharing his problem to God, here David reminds himself who is this God who loved him and whom he loved. That's what he's doing here in verse 3 and 4. The God whom he serves and who is committed to him. You see, one of our problems, as Martin always says it, 
is we listen to ourselves more than we speak to ourselves. And by listening to ourselves, it just means that we let a situation that is around us paralyzing us. We let a situation that is around us cripple us instead of speaking to ourselves. And by speaking to ourselves, I'm not saying that you start walking and just say, start saying good thinking about yourself. No, no, no. By speaking to ourselves, it just means that we remind ourselves of the truth we know about God. Because that's the only truth that can never change. That's the only truth that is true. Everything else can change. But we need to remind ourselves about that one truth that will never change about God. When in verse 3, David says, But you, O Lord, are a shield, my glory, and the lift of my head. What is doing here? He is calling God or remembering God for who he is. He recalls the character of God. So he speaks to himself. He reminds himself of the faithfulness of God with confidence. The phrase, but you, O Lord, it indicates that he finds some stability, some confidence, in contrast to what the enemies have been saying. They have been saying this, but you, O Lord, you are my shield. So my enemies, in verse 2, says David, they say that there is no salvation for me, but you, O Lord, are my shield. In other words, you are my protection. Which is what God said previously to Abraham in Genesis 15 and verse 1. He said that he is his shield. He will protect him. The same thing comes again in Deuteronomy chapter 33 and verse 29. Speaking to Moses, God said that he is the shield. And now David can speak of God being his shield. God is our protector even when we do not make sense of his protection around us. This is why Peter in Acts 12, when in prison, he could sleep at night. Why? He knows that God is his protector and God delivered him. God is his shield. Remember, nothing will happen to us that God did not allow. He is our shield. He is our protection. And here we are talking about the God who made everything, who is powerful, who is almighty. If he said that he is our shield, he means it. He gives us the protection that no one else can give you and me. So nothing will happen to us that God did not allow. And if anything were to happen to us, that means God allowed it to happen. And he will use it for his greater purpose and for our good, which is to conform us to the likeness of Jesus. As God's child, you are never alone. This is what you need to tell yourself each and every time. When life is hard, when nothing makes sense around you, 
when all you see around you is darkness, when the enemies are surrounding you, tell yourself that I'm never alone. My shield is with me. What a great comfort to know that I am never alone. My enemy said in verse 2 that there is no salvation for me, but you, O Lord, are my glory. David acknowledges that he has no glory, but God is his glory. Yesterday he was a king, but today he is a no one. He is running for his life. You see, sometimes our position in life or our status makes us think that we are something. But the reality is we are not. But of course, there is glory for each one of us. But that glory is in God and not in us. So there's glory for each one of us. But it is in God, not in us. And this is a very, very important thing to know. So David understood that God is the source of his life. That's why later on in Galatians chapter 6 and verse 14, Paul could say, I will glory or I will boast only in the cross of Jesus Christ. And I think our response to this is to say, God, here is my life at your disposal. Use it. Make it what you want. There is glory for each one of us. But that glory is in God, not in us. And if we have to boast, we can only boast in the one who has saved us. Again, my enemy said in verse 2, there is no salvation for me, but you, O Lord, are the lifter of my head. Under the circumstances that David finds himself, he acknowledges that only Yahweh, only God, is the only person who can help him. He is at the lowest. He knows that if anything is to be restored for him, obviously it will not be done by him but it will be what God will do for him. So God is the one who will lift him up. Point one, share your problem with God. Point two, pray confidently to God. Point three, look for your protection in God. Question, how does David, under the circumstances he finds himself, is able to lay down and sleep? Remember, we have described what David is experiencing right now. How can he lay down his head and sleep? Well, we read in verse 5 that he trusts in the Lord to sustain him. I lay down and slept. I walk again, for the Lord sustained me. So he trusts in the Lord to sustain him. In verse 6, he trusts the Lord to strengthen him. I will not be afraid of many thousands of people who have set themselves against me all around. So he is able to do that because he trusts in the Lord to sustain him and he trusts in the Lord to strengthen him. 
You see, under normal circumstances, sleeping and waking up are not just normal part of life. And I will explain myself. Think about this. The minute you go to bed and maybe you say to your spouse good night or if you're alone after you've done your prayer and you're ready to sleep, the minute you close your eyes and you sleep, you are not in control of your life. I'm not sure if you've thought about it, but the minute your eyes are closed, you've lost control. Anything can happen to you when you are sleeping. So we see God's protection even in the situations of life that we think are normal. So the minute I lay down, I close my eyes, I'm not in control. I'm not saying you should sleep with one eye open. That's not what I'm saying. Because God is our protection. But just think about it. If you thought you were in control, you are not in control. Now imagine, even more under this worrisome situation that David finds himself, where his sleep can be a problem because his brain does not stop processing what is happening around him. You know, when you are anxious, it's hard to find sleep. When something is hurting you, it's hard to find sleep. So David finds himself under this situation. But even more to that, he knows that if I close my eyes and sleep, I may not wake up tomorrow. My son can find me and kill me. I'll be dead. But still, he can say that I lay down and sleep and wakes up again. Why? Because he does experience God's protection. God is the one who looks after him. In verse 8, he trusts the Lord to save him. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Your blessing be on your people. So he trusts the Lord to save him. And if you read from 2 Samuel, uh, from chapter 15 all the way to 19, when you read this story of David and his son running from his son, you will know that the rebellion came to the end. And Absalom was killed. He was dead. And still David had to cry for his beloved son when he heard that he was, de he was dead. So you'll know that this came to the end. But at this point, when David is writing this psalm, he does not know how God will save him. He has no idea. He's just crying out to God, opening up to God, asking God to help him. He does not know how this will end up. But he does know that God is going to save him. Do you see that? He does not know how this will come, how it will play out. But one thing for sure he knows is that God will save him. That's why he could say salvation belongs to God. Only him. This is 
how one, preaches, uh, one preacher compares David's painful experience to that of Jesus, which is a best way for me to conclude our time together this morning. He says this, I paraphrase, Jesus, like David, one night he lay down with death, not around him, but in him. He took the penalty of your sin and my sin. He lied down for three days. Just like David, he awakened from his sleep, but in glorious resurrection. He is in heaven. He also cried to God, It is finished. And he was heard, just like David also cried to God and he was heard. And now Jesus is king of kings. So when you and me are surrounded by our enemies, by enemies of any kind, it can be anything, the trouble that comes, uh, comes our way. When sleep is not an option because of the anxieties brought by the enemies, David is telling us, Cry out to God. He heard David. He heard Jesus, who, by the way, also cried on our behalf. He will hear you. Because he loves you. Because he has promised to be your shield, your protection. And he cares for you. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you that we can come together as your children, reminding ourselves of who you are, of the great promises that you've made for us, and especially speaking into our lives even today, That, Lord, we will go through trouble. It could be of any kind. But we can share our problems with you. That we can pray confidently to you. And we can look for protection in you. What a great privilege it is for us to know that we are never alone even when life around us does not make sense because of the challenges that we will be going through. Thank you, Lord, for being a great father to all of us, a great friend. And thank you for allowing us through Jesus to bring all our problems to you. Thank you that you are our salvation. Salvation because you've conquered sin for us, but salvation as well when we go through deep waters. And Lord, we pray that for this week that we are, start, we are starting, you will give us grace. Grace to acknowledge who you are. Grace that will strengthen us to live for you, to stand for you, 
and to witness for you wherever you have placed us. All these things we pray in the mighty name of the only one who died for us, Jesus Christ. Amen.